to your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Thursday, August 31st, 2023, the Feast of St. Raymond Nonatus. Now, St. Raymond Nonatus is someone I have personally never heard of, and I was absolutely convicted by the saint's life. In fact, I kind of felt a little sad afterwards because I was thinking, man, I really... But I actually don't because it's like his life was pretty crazy. And I'm like, man, I wish I had the virtue to want to be as holy as he was. St. Raymond was born around the year 1203 in Calatonia, and he was named Nonatus because that is literally the, word in, the words in Latin, not born, because he was never actually taken out by Caesarean section and born. I think that's really funny. He displayed devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary from a very young age, and he was praying the rosary daily even as a child. Our Lady appeared to him in his young age, promising her protection. And despite his temptations against chastity, he consecrated his virginity to her, leading to her guidance to join the Order of Mercedarians. Now, if you're not familiar with the Order of Mercedarians, it's fortunate that they kind of don't exist anymore. They do technically, but they don't really do what they used to do. They used to give up themselves and treat themselves for late who were imprisoned Muslims. Muslims would capture Christians, and they would sell them back to the Christian nation. And so the mercenarians dedicated themselves to ransoming these, these people, these Christians, and they would swap them. So one priest was worth like five or six Christians. And so they, they, they would replace them, and then eventually, if they could get the money, those priests were bought back, and then they would do repeat the process over again. And so after being ordained, St. Raymond dedicated himself to redeeming the captives, and he freed numerous captives. And here is the story that really, really struck me. One time in Tunis, he offered himself as a slave in exchange for Catholic prisoners. During this time, he started preaching to the Muslims and to the people who were captured and started spinning, including the Muslims, that the Muslims went up to him and pierced his lips glance and put a padlock on his mouth so that way he was unable to speak. And during this time, it would only take off for him to eat. So you can imagine like throughout the day, he was unable to drink anything except at his one day. Not to mention the fact that think about how he would sleep. Any movement would be hurting his mouth. And to take it off, he'd be reopening all the wounds. Every time they closed back in, imagine the pain that he had. And then you would think, okay, well, in eight months, so he endured this for eight months. When he finally got back out of captivity, but he retired, right? And had a good and uh, comfortable life. No, he decided to travel around Christendom, the Crusades, preaching the Crusades with his lips destroyed from what he just endured for eight months. He traveled around preaching the Crusades, encouraging St. Louis of France who had lived to go on crusade, and he was one of the catalysts that caused St. Louis of France to actually go and fight a crusade. <laughs> he died at the age of 37, August 31st, 1240, with an intense devotion to the Blessed Virgin, 
Let us pray to St. Raymond not, not, not to, to give us more saints to regenerate the church, to free the captives, and to evangelize the world, and to preach the message of the gospel, no matter what. St. Raymond Nonatus, pray for us. Wow. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Adrian. Wow, what have I done? And I'm, you know, I'm going to be 33. Uh, my dad had, uh, at that point, uh, like five cans, coffee cans full of screws and bolts and stuff. I didn't have any of those, and I certainly have nothing compared to St. Nonatus. That's uh, incredible. It's insane. I yeah. was like, out man. of love of Christ, the things that we do for our love, it's uh, incredible. The things I don't do. Uh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. How much do you love God? Dude, I was reading this story and I was like, like I was like, man, I, I, I was like, I would, I wish that I could say, I want to do that. But I'm like, I really don't want to do that. <laughs> that sounds really, really hard. Yeah, and tough. I'm like, that's a, what a grace. Grace. That is a pretty, pretty amazing story. And I, I just think that's. It's so beautiful to see his love, like you said, his love for Christ. That he was willing to endure. Not too mm. much, not too much nowadays. Uh, let's pray that we have uh, more saints like that rise up. Saints like that to convict our souls. Oh my goodness! Imagine hearing his preaching. You're like, oh, like that guy is a serious guy. Like sometimes you hear a priest preach, and you're like, oh well, Father has. He look at his Hummer and his nice stuff, and what does Father know? Uh, but when you see a priest out there who's like walking barefoot, his mouth has been pierced with a lance, and he's preaching about dedicating your life to God, you're like, well, I guess that guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> he goes up to the pulpit, and he's like, you want to know how I got these scars? It's <laughs> <laughs> a little Batman reference for you. There you go. There you go. At 15 past the hour, I have some good news out of California. Uh, Rudy just like he just dropped his coffee what? on the floor. I'm moving yeah, back. There you go. There you go. <laughs> what did you say? There's some good news out of California, so mm. we're going to talk about that. Um, also, some bad news out of California, but we're, we're, we'll see what we talk when we get there. At 30 past the hour, Kim Schwartz is on with us to discuss this month's pro-life news. There is a few stories that I think are worthy of bringing up, and it will be a great discussion. In the next hour, Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today will be joining us as always every Thursday. Uh, Alan Smith and Bishop Sheen today. You know, always can get some Bishop Sheen in your life. And, of course, we have our Fear and Trembling Game Show. So make sure you stay tuned. We'd love to have you for the entirety of the show. You're not going to want to miss a single moment. And today, you know, August, dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Let's pray a consecration prayer to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. It's going to be the last day in August and September. We're going to pray a different prayer. So let's pray this together. We're going to offer up this prayer for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church for our friends, family, and benefactors and all those we promise to pray for, for all those who died in the Maui fires and those affected by those Maui fires, we pray for them as well. And in a special way, we pray for, uh, I ask for your prayers for my grandfather, who's going through cancer treatment this week. Uh, so prayers for him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. O Immaculata, Queen of heaven and earth, refuge of sinners, and our most loving mother, God has willed to entrust the entire order of mercy to you. I, a repentant sinner, cast myself at your feet, humbly imploring you to take me with all that I am and have, holy to yourself as your possession and property. Please make of me of all my powers of soul and body of my whole life, death, and eternity, whatever most pleases you. If it pleases you, use all that I am and have without reserve, holy to accomplish what was said of you. She will crush your head and you alone have destroyed all heresies in the world. 
Let me be a fit instrument in your immaculate and merciful hands for introducing and increasing your glory to the maximum and all the many straight and indifferent souls, and thus help extend as far as possible the blessed kingdom of the most sacred heart of Jesus. For wherever you enter, you obtain the grace of conversion and the growth in holiness, since it is through your hands that all graces come to us for the most sacred heart of Jesus. Allow me to praise you, O sacred virgin. Give me strength against your enemies. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee, and for those that do not have recourse to thee, especially for the Freemasons and those committed to thy care. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is, uh, today is Wednesday. Thursday. That's Thursday. It's Thursday the, 11th, the 31st, the last day of the month there. And here are your breaking news and stories. This is from Military.com. The U.S. okays military aid to Taiwan under a program usually reserved for foreign nations. The sovereign nations, excuse me. The package is valued at approximately $80 million, down from the potential $2 billion package originally proposed, but the implications of using the so-called foreign military financing program to provide it will likely be seen as an escalation to China. The notification did not specify what military equipment or systems would be paid for under the FMF program, which commits U.S. taxpayer dollars to pay for the supply of material to foreign countries. LifeSite News reports the fight is not over. Defense attorneys vow appeal after pro-life rescuers found guilty in D.C. face trial. Five anti-abortion activists have stood trial over the past week for blocking access to the Washington Surgery Clinic in downtown Washington, D.C. during a traditional rescue in October of 2020. Pro-life rescues involve activists physically in intervening to try to stop women from going through with abortions. All five were immediately incarcerated following the verdict because their actions to physically block the abortuary were considered, quote, a crime of violence, unquote. And the Gateway Pundit reports, New York City allows mosques to publicly broadcast Muslim call to prayer without permits, despite noise restrictions in neighborhoods. New York City issued new rules allowing mosques to blare the Muslim call to prayer on Friday afternoons between 12.30 p.m. and 1.30 p.m. The new initiative launched by the NYPD clarified that the call to prayer is allowed in New York City and not prohibited despite sound restrictions in city neighborhoods. Last year, Minneapolis announced its uh, mosques will be allowed to call the, uh, the call to prayer outdoors on loudspeakers all year round. Now, those were some of your headlines today, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time and uh, for the next segment where I will update you on the McCarrick trial. Back to you, Adrian. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Now, the gospel of the day comes from Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 through 51. Now, this gospel passage is a absolute hammer blow to all of us, and especially Cornelius Lapide uses this passage to come after some priests and bishops. And so a very, very concerning situation here in verse 42. Watch ye therefore, because you know not what hour your Lord will come. Now, this is a very, very serious thing to keep in mind. Cornelius Lapide commenting on this says, think continually that death is certain, but the day of death is uncertain. I say the same of the day of judgment, both the particular judgment and the general judgment. For St. Jerome saith, that which shall happen to all in the day of judgment fulfilled as at the each is fulfilled in each at the day of death. 
this is very important to keep in mind because many people are obsessed with the end of the world. They're talking about, oh, it's going to be the end of the world. Oh, the world's going to end this, that, and the other, either materially because of, I don't know, things like climate change or nuclear warfare, or they're worrying about the second coming of Christ. But do you realize you could die today? You could get in a car accident today, and then the end of the world has happened for you. You will be judged. You will be there. So, Christian, watch, lest the coming of the Lord find you unprepared. Moreover, Cornelius Lapide says, the reason why God wills that this day should be unknown to us is that the uncertainty may be a never-failing stimulus to us in the practice of every virtue. Think about it this way. If you knew for certain, 100% certainty, that you were going to live another 100 years, would you repent today? But if you thought, you know, I could lay down today, tonight, and I could not wake up in the morning, you're more likely to be scared into virtue, scared into practicing virtue. Now, obviously, it is a greater degree of holiness to be virtuous out of love of God, but it's sufficient for us, and when we're starting out in spiritual life, that would be virtuous out of fear of punishment. So let's start there. Now, Cornelius Lapide takes this passage over in 49, and he comes after our priests and bishops. He says, and so he shall come and strike his fellow servants and shall eat and drink with drunkards. The Lord of the servant shall come in a day that he hopeth not and at an hour that he knoweth not and shall separate him and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this is a very, very scary thing. When he talks about this, he comes after the bishop saying that he will remove such evil bishops from his office and shall separate him from the company of the blessed and deliver him to the devil to be tormented forever. Now, he quotes St. Peter. He says, St. Peter admonishes pastors and bishops in First Peter verse 2, thus feed the flock of God, which is among you, providing for them not by constraint, but spontaneously according to God neither for filthy lucre's sake, but voluntarily, neither as lording it over the clergy, but as affording example of their actions to the flock from the heart. And when the prince of shepherds shall appear, ye shall receive the unwithering crown of glory. This is a very hard saying because he says here, he comes after him in two ways. He says, the two great temptations of bishops is that at the judgment day, you will be judged for two things because you wanted comfort because you wanted money, because you wanted the nice things of life, and you wanted power. Those are the things that many bishops have as a temptation. Now, lest us rejoice and say, we're saved, we're good, he follows up and he ends his attack against the bishops and priests by saying, what I have said of bishops applies to every father of a family, for he was, as it were, a bishop of his own house. And St. Augustine saith, every faithful soul is a bishop of himself so take these words to your heart as well because it applies to you and i just as much to our priests and bishops but we're right back with more right after this this is dale alquist with a chesterton minute have you ever heard someone say religion can never depend on minute disputes about doctrine G.K. Chesterton says that's like saying that life can never depend on minute disputes about medicine. Will the man who says we don't want theologians splitting hairs also say we don't want surgeons splitting filaments more delicate than hairs? 
Many a man would be dead today if his doctors had not debated fine shades about doctoring. It's also a fact that Western civilization would be dead today if its doctors of divinity had not debated fine shades about doctrine. We depend on doctors of medicine. We can also depend on the doctors of the church. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Hey, Donnie, what are the two most important things we receive at Mass? That's right. All right, one more. Who loves you the most? Jesus. That's right. Mary. That's right. (laughs) They love us too. If you don't educate your children in the faith, who will? Educate yourself and your family by listening daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network. And make sure to get the GRN app by logging online to grnonline.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. I'm so glad to be here with you. You know, there is always a lot of bad news, but guess what I found this morning? You'll never guess, Rudy. Well, I think you teased it out. You said something about California having good news. Darn. I I spilled the beans. Tell me. Tell me what's good. What's happening in California? I need to know. So, California school is going to pay a mother $100,000 mm-hmm. for trying to transition her daughter behind her back. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess one might say that's bad news, that the fact that there's a California school trying to transition a child. But you could look at it this way and say it's good news because they were able to successfully sue in California and actually win. Now, is that before tax or after tax? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's probably true. <laughs> They're going to tax talking about here? Are we talking seventy thousand dollars? Is that is that does that fall under the, the gift tax? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't it's actually know. I wonder how they get taxed. a lawyer on here. Yeah, to talk call Brent Haynes. Yeah. <laughs> how familiar is he with California law? So the situation is honestly very very concerning, but am very encouraged to see that there's actually people winning whenever they sue for people trying to transition kids behind their backs. Now, this is happening all over the place, all over the country. And the fact that California, that someone can win this kind of lawsuit, should be encouraging and should encourage more people who are suffering from this. Because I know for a fact, because I've talked to people involved in situations like this, and here's the crazy thing. The majority of the time, the court puts a gag order on them so they can't talk about it or else they risk the situation with their child. And so that's why you don't hear more about these stories. But these are happening all over the country. And we can win. And the thing is, the only thing that these people care about is money. They don't care about anything else. They don't have any morality. They don't care about your kids' lives. They don't care about your life. But they do care about their pocketbooks. So if we sue them out of existence... Because of their, and I'm glad that these people are making some money off this too. Become rich. Get rich off of these horrific kind of states, these horrific laws, these horrific organizations. But Matt Walsh had an excellent, excellent comment on this topic because he always refers to the transgender movement as a cult. And he commenting on this says, when I call the trans movement a cult, I mean it in a literal sense. It functions exactly like a cult. 
It uses all the same indoctrination techniques. It picks out a vulnerable target, isolates a target from his family, love bombs them with excessive validation and flattery, demands progressively more extreme displays of fidelity to the cause, and it viciously ostracizes and attacks anyone who leaves. This is all cult 101 stuff. Transgenderism is one of the largest and most dangerous cults in world history. And I think he is exactly correct. I've never heard anything like that, but it's so true. I think that's the first time I've ever, you know, found an equivocation like that. And I think it's absolutely right. They do affirm these kids in a way that they may not be finding at home or maybe they just interpret, you know, because when you're a kid, you, you don't actually know what's going on. You may think your parents are being too harsh with you, but... You know, they they then affirm them, and these are people outside of the house. You have no idea what kind of influence they have on, on the kids. And then, you know, sure enough, they become, you know, a, a proxy warrior for this ideology. Yeah, yep, for sure. Now, staying on California, so I, I mentioned some good news out of California, which means I am contractually obliged to say something bad about California. Sorry, sorry, Rudy. I apologize. California Republican Party considering removing opposition to gay marriage and abortion from their platform. Hmm. Now, I often will say that the Republican Party is just the Democrat Party just 10 years later. And sure enough, sure enough, the Republican Party was coming out and saying, you know what? Abortion, gay marriage, that's a losing issue. So we're not going to campaign on that. We're done with it. Then why would I, why would I support Republicans? What's the point? Because I might get a slightly lower taxes. <laughs> because I'm trying to find a reason. I'm trying to find an excuse to vote Republican. You know what that reminds me of, Adrian? Is uh, trying to book a flight. You know, you, you go through the motions, you're like, okay, this flight's cheapest. Uh, okay, I'll go with this one. And then you, you know, get to the end of the, of the transaction and then you realize, oh, I need to pay extra for this bag. I could have done it differently over here. It's all the same. I mean, you're at the end of the day, you're, you're paying for the same thing when you're, when you're booking a flight. And it's kind of similar with the Republican party. You know, you're, what, what exactly are they conserving at this point? What exactly Am I voting for if you're just going to be exactly like the people that I don't want in power? Yeah, here's what it says. The proposed change will remove language that says, quote, it is important to define marriage as a union between one man and one woman, and it pulls explicit opposition to abortion. The section on abortion would instead state, we value protecting innocent life, and we want to see the number of abortions reduced. We support abortion uh, adoption. We support adoption as an alternative to abortion. So that's the situation we're having here. And like you said, what are we conserving? Why are people calling them conservatives? Why would I, I don't understand the thought process here because I am, I would always, I always tell people I'm not a Republican because I think I disagree with a lot of things Republicans do. I vote Republican typically because they're the ones who are against murdering babies and they're the ones that are the only people standing up for marriage and the only people standing up against mutilating children. So you drop those three things. Why should I support you? Why should I vote for you? Why, what is, what makes you different from the Democrats? What is it? I don't understand what that is. 
And so if this is something that is going to bleed over from California to the rest of the country, well, I don't see how they win any elections. Because what gets people out to vote? What motivates people to action? I guarantee you, if the if it was the Tea Party, remember that movement? If it was just, oh, let's lower taxes. Look, I would love lower taxes. I would love to take more of my money home. But honestly, am I going to go out and host uh, public square rosary rallies for lower taxes? Am I going to go and bring people around and talk to people on the streets about lower taxes? I, I, I like having my money. That's true. I don't care that much. I don't care that much. I'm not that motivated. But when I hear that there are people murdering babies, well, I'm going to be outside protesting that. I'm going to be outside talking to people saying, look, we have to vote this way. I'm going to be outside promoting that cause to as many people as I can. And I'm willing to bet that the majority of people are that feel the exact same way. That if you say that those people over there, they're trying to mutilate children. And those people over there are trying to protect children. Well, I'm going to go and support the people trying to protect children. Now, if you're getting rid of this as part of your platform, I have no motivation to stand up for you. I have zero motivation. So this is something that is very concerning that is happening in the GOP in, in California. And people need to stand up against this. People need to voice their opinion and say, look, if y'all do this, I'm not voting. And that's the only thing they're going to hear from their constituents saying, that's it. If y'all want to throw away the moral issues, I'm not voting for y'all. Maybe I'll th- vote third party. And people are like, oh, you're throwing away your vote. Well, at that point, at that point, throw away your vote. Who cares? Where you're voting between um, murdering a million babies a year versus murdering 990 million a year. Like, what, what are we talking about here? What are we talking about? It's not even a, a gradualism anymore. It's like the idea of gradualism. I get it. I understand. Like if you, you vote to have a law that's going to be passed, and so you hope to completely ban it. But if you're saying, you know what? Too many people support abortion, so I'm not going to stand up for that. And this is why we have to change our laws, because a law is a teacher. A law is a teacher, because before gay marriage was passed, it was the vast majority of Americans were against gay marriage. Whenever it started coming up as a controversy at the White House at a federal level, it was about 45 percent of Americans were in support of gay marriage. Today, it's over 70%. How is that possible? Because by changing the law, you change the minds of people. Because the majority of people think if something is legal, it must be okay. If something is illegal, it must not be okay. There is very, very few people who understand the principle that just because something is legal does not make it moral. Very few people. You might even you hear arguments all the time whenever you're talking about things. This happens a lot whenever I discuss uh, things like strip clubs with people. They're like, "But it's legal," and I'm like, "I don't care if it's legal. As not, I don't. That doesn't affect me at all. I don't care if these things are legal. It's wrong. It's bad." And so these are the things that we have to keep an eye on because, in more and more, we're becoming a country that loves Satan and hates God. And speaking of loving Satan. California and L.A. County. I'm sensing a trend here. AJ. Sensing a trend. I think you got a chip on your shoulder about California, bro. It's not. It's not a California. I mean, these things are happening happening <laughs> elsewhere. It's happening in Texas. It's happening elsewhere. 
It's just that this. I one, think California needs a reconquista. It does need a reconquista, to be honest. We need to send the Franciscans back. The but this story over Colorado, Illinois, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia. This is just the latest one. These are having satanic clubs at schools, and these satanic clubs at schools in L.A. County. Very very concerning, and this also have to try. They try to do this in Texas and the uh, spring area, and there was a massive blowback from the population. Thank God, and they had they got it shut down. But they're trying to do this in every state, and they're trying to move the, the line forward. And so you can accept Satanism. You have Satanism in your school. And then they'll say, oh, but we don't actually believe in Satan. No, no, actually, we are just religious rights activists. Oh, no, no, we're, we're actually very supportive of moral values. And they have these tenets that they say that they believe in. Here's the problem. If somebody claims to be the son of the father of lies, why should I trust you? Why should I think that what you're telling me is the truth? You claim to be a son of the father of lies. Oh, but I don't worship Satan. I'm actually an atheist. When if you do something ironically enough times, it becomes sincere. The way you believe is the way you act is the way you pray. And if you are doing these ceremonies, you do these ceremonies as an ironic way and as a joke and then you live a life dedicated to satan you are going to believe in satan even if at this beginning you are are actually doing it ironically or just as a joke or just because you're an atheist these things become sincere and yeah and this is the problem people think but that's just in california california is crazy that's not my home it's is in your home it's coming to your neck of the woods, and if you don't stand up against it, it's going to become more and more and more. Every time it pops up, you have to smash the head of the serpent because these things will encroach, and if you just wait until it's too big, well, then you're not going to be able to take it down. But if whenever it rears its ugly head, you crush the head of the serpent with Our Lady's heel, then we can actually create a moral society. So let's pray the rosary every day. And it's not a platitude. Go out. Get a group together. Pray public square rosary rallies. We can affect change via Our Lady. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you.
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for vocations to the priesthood. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. Catholic News Agency has an update on the McCarrick trial, and they say the McCarrick is uh, his alleged victim left with nothing after ex-prelate ruled incompetent to face trial. Former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick is not competent to stand on trial on criminal sexual abuse charges in Massachusetts. A state district judge ruled Wednesday in criminal court. The dismissal of the charges follows separate examinations of McCarrick's mental health by health professionals hired by both his and the state's legal teams, both of which concluded his incompetence. In a statement filed with the court dated August 30th, James Grine, one of his former and alleged victims, accused McCarrick's legal team of coaching the former prelate for the psychiatrist's interviews. He said that when he went public with allegations against McCarrick in 2018, McCarrick sent followers to his house to remind him that, quote, he is the most powerful man in the U.S., if not the world, unquote. And The Hill reports Ohio abortion rights backers sue after unborn child language added to ballot. The amendment, known as Issue 1, has been spearheaded by so-called, quote, abortion rights, unquote, activists, and would establish the right to reproductive freedom with protections for health and safety in the state constitution. Now five voters, along with Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights, are arguing that the language on the November ballot measure aims to, quote, improperly mislead Ohioans and persuade them to oppose the amendment, unquote. They take offense with the verbiage that states that there is a child in the womb instead of using the term fetus. Those were all of your headlines this morning. May God bless you. Thank you very much, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Yeah, there are, you know, it feels like every day we just um, continue to go down the rabbit hole. You know, mm. just more and more things. You're like, is this, is this real life? Like, uh, is this actually happening? It feels like someone's like crafting a really, really interesting story. You know, I don't know. I don't know. And it's also, almost like we live in some sort of simulation where there's, uh, you know, seasons and uh, it's written in Hollywood or something. And this season, McCarrick's going to go off scot-free. He's mentally incompetent. Yeah. Uh, we're going to throw in all kinds of other interesting things like wildfires and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Seems orchestrated. I, I do want to talk about the whole McCarrick thing. Uh, maybe next week we'll have time to discuss it. It needs time. It needs some time to discuss, but... Just a quick thing about it is there's a symbolic loss in him not being punished. And in one sense, it's like maybe he really is incompetent and really, I mean, he's very, very old. But also he was an evil, wicked man who deserves his just punishments. And the symbolic victory of him getting punished, that sends a signal to other people who are in his shoes. Right. But then the symbolic loss of him not being punished, other people who are think that they can get away with it too. Uh, McCarrick was able to survive his entire life basically to his death without being punished. Maybe I can too. <sighs> Very concerning. 
Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've been thinking about this this morning, and oftentimes justice eludes us here in this veil of tears. Mm -hmm. And that's just something that we have to come to terms with. Uh, the justice that, that McCarrick deserves will come in eternity mm -hmm. if he does not repent before he dies. And uh, one of our listeners, Damon, mentioned that he hoped that McCarrick uh, was able to recant before he lost his mental incompetence. If that really happened to him, yeah. uh, hopefully he did. Yeah. And even if he does repent, he still receives just punishment and purgatory. Yeah. You have to pay for those sins. Even if yeah. he, uh, by God's grace, is able to uh, make it to the pearly gates, he will have to suffer the fires of purgatory. Mm. And I would uh, not want to be that him in the fires of purgatory, but... Praise be to God. I, I do hope he repents. I hope he does. We, we should pray for his soul. Maybe maybe that today is uh, should be the rosary we say today is, uh, for the repentance of Cardinal McCarrick or former Cardinal McCarrick. Uh, anyway, on to less, well, I guess not less bad news. <laughs> but uh, Ken Schwartz joins us this morning talking about a pro-life news roundup. There is a number of stories and mostly, mostly not good news. We'll start with the Ohio story, but uh, good morning to you. Good morning. It's kind of a mixed bag here. We've got uh, some bad news out of Ohio. I'm sure everybody's been watching because the entire pro-life movement has had their eye on Ohio for the last couple months. Now, the bad news that came from this uh, this month in August was that we lost the special election that was at the beginning of August that was going to decide what the threshold was to amend the Ohio Constitution whether or not to include abortion in the state constitution. If they amended the constitution and included abortion, this would basically set Ohio back to square one. The battle that we've been fighting against Roe v. Wade for the last 50 years, they're going to have to do that all over again if abortion is enshrined in their state constitution. And that can happen to any state. And so right now um, we lost the special election that would have required the vote to be over 60% in order to amend the Constitution, which makes a lot of sense. You don't want to uh, have such a sweeping policy by just a bare majority vote. But uh, the there was a huge turnout, a record turnout in this special election. And so now the odds are even more stacked against the pro-life movement in Ohio with uh, requiring this just bare 50 percent majority. It's important to know Ohio uh, has abortion legal up to 22 weeks. And so this is no... Um, super restrictive pro-life state uh, by any means. And most people will support um, late abortion bans like after 22 weeks. Most people will even say that uh, abortion should be banned after the child has a heartbeat. But the problem is that so many people just don't know about um, fetal development and life in the womb. Like the uh, story earlier about abortion activists arguing that the unborn child language in uh, the amendment that will be on the ballot, uh, that that would be misleading. But uh, people know, you know, if there's a heartbeat, that's a sign of life. But whenever you tell them, oh, that's at six weeks, they're like, no, I don't think I should, that abortion should be banned at six weeks. But you can't believe both things at the same time, that abortion should be legal at six weeks, but banned when there's a heartbeat. That's the same thing. So uh, we have this great educational uh, mission as believers, as pro-life people, to make sure people know about what really is the unborn child. Whenever we're asking, should abortion be legal or not, the real question is, what are we aborting? Is that a human life? And drawing more and more attention to that. So Amen. Pray for Ohio.
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when I sort of saw the story, I thought, okay, yes, that is not good news. And, and we should definitely analyze, like, why, why we lost that election. But perhaps this is not necessarily is the end of the world because now you only need to convince 51% of the people to actually enshrine pro-life laws into the Constitution, right? A little bit. So right now we are in a defensive position mm-hmm. in Ohio. Uh, what a win looks like for us in November is that the uh, amendment fails and that mm-hmm. um, the status quo will remain. Mm-hmm. The status quo is that the the Constitution in Ohio says nothing about abortion. And so the state lawmakers can pass whatever restrictions they want on abortion. Now, the uh, the ballot proposition is trying to undo all of that by putting abortion in the state constitution, which would completely tie the hands of the state legislature and would say, hey, we can't do anything. We can't impose any restrictions on abortion. It would knock down the uh, 22-week ban that's in Ohio right now and just allow abortion all the way up to birth. And so there's not uh, – Ohio doesn't have the opportunity to go on the offense right now. They are completely on the defense, and that's kind of scary. But you have to look at where does the pro-life movement have the opportunity to go on the offense? And you see states like Texas. Texas, uh, it's much, much harder to amend our state constitution. So I'm not saying that we will never get to that point. We still have to be uh, in the offensive mode of telling other people about life in the womb. Um, But also just knowing that uh, all of the abortion industry's new tactics, even in Texas where abortion is illegal, there are still women who are having abortions. And that is because abortion activists are mailing pills to pregnant women's homes and dorm rooms. Abortion activists are smuggling abortion pills across our southern border. What else is new? Uh, and they're, they've, oh, I mentioned this last time, but the Satanic Temple has even opened its own abortion clinic next door to Texas. So that way, uh, women, pregnant women will go across state borders into other, uh, other states. Now, Texas actually has... Uh, is very well positioned, and I would say we are the best positioned to go on the offense on these abortion industries' new tactics. Now, I look at uh, things where you were talking about earlier how the um, the LGBT movement, whenever um, get before gay marriage was determined uh, to be constitutional uh, with the Obergefell case, most Americans did not support gay marriage. But then afterwards, after the law changed, then more Americans did support it. Now, that is because the, uh, this movement had a great cultural component, that they were very aggressive in going on the offense, and they didn't just stop once they got their favorable Supreme Court ruling. They kept moving the ball forward, and that's how we got to this position today where everyone is talking about should we trans the kids or not. Now, you look at that with the pro-life movement, the great opportunity that we have there. We've got our favorable ruling. We can go forward in March uh, to go on the offense. Amen. Amen. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I do want to talk about you mentioned these drugs coming over. Let's pick up on that topic when we come back in just one moment. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. 
Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone, while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to say some prayers for the souls in purgatory. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed often for those in purgatory? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Despite the fact that there is insanity in the world, Satanism on the rise, we should be inspired by all that evil in the world to say, you know what? This is an opportunity for me to be a great hero. I mean, if everything was just hunky-dory, well... Uh, yeah, that'd be nice. It'd be nice to live in a nice and comfortable world. But in a world where there is great evil, well, that's the best world to live in because you have the great opportunity to be not just a saint, but a great saint. And speaking of great saints, joining us right now is Kim Shores with Texas Right to Life. Uh, she's the director of media and communications there. Uh, we were talking during the break about this crazy thing that I had somehow it completely went under, over, under my radar, and I'm just so so surprised by this. Apparently, there are abortions happening on the water in the Gulf of Mexico. Tell me about this. That's true. So there is a uh, abortion group that has refurbished an old cargo ship to. Uh, drive the boat out into federal waters because we have no um, strict abortion limits federally. And then uh, they'll take women who are in Gulf states like Texas, Louisiana, ferry them out into the middle of the ocean with this uh, abortion ship and then go and commit abortions up to about 20 weeks gestation. And this isn't just a theoretical thing. This is already happening. There have been over 1,200 preborn babies killed with this abortion ship. Um, and, you know, you were saying we have all of this evil uh, in the world, and every day it's like a crazier and crazier story until uh, we get to the final boss moment or something <laughs> where we have to fight the final boss here, or Jesus will come and fight the final boss for us. Um, but, yeah, that, those are the crazy new tactics that the abortion groups are trying. After Roe v. Wade was overturned, they didn't just say, oh, well, that's it, we're done. Uh, they got more evil and more creative by sending abortion pills over our southern border. They are mailing them from overseas straight to pregnant women home, women's homes and even their dorm rooms. And the, the abortion ship has to be the most creative thing that they're doing. Um, where this is this is actually already happening. There is one group called Abort Offshore, and then there's another group that is trying to start the same thing, and they're fundraising to get their abortion ship. Wow. That 
is absolute like that does something out of like a comic book or like they yeah, like this is like some evil supervillain with their offshore base like it literally sounds like something out of a movie or a tv show that, that's so crazy and rudy you're right it, someone is writing this it's a, it is a script <laughs> yeah i mean uh, when i heard that story from you uh miss schwartz it's just it's so sickening actually to think about the creativity the demonic creativity that people have uh to murder their children I mean, the lengths that people will go to to just to kill a child, go on a ship in the middle yeah. of nowhere to do that. That's there's something wrong here. But you said there was some good news, though, that yes. there was a, a a law that's trying to be pushed through right now. Absolutely. So I don't want to be the total bearer of bad news. We do have some hope. Um, there was a Texas congressman who just this week filed new legislation at the federal level that would make it illegal uh, for this practice to continue. Remember, the abortion ship is happening because they're taking the ship into federal waters where there are no uh, regulations or strict regulations on abortion. And so they're circumventing state policies in that way. So this congressman saying, okay, well, let's ban abortion in federal waters, and that would prevent uh, that from happening. Now, the problem is that this is at the congressional level mm. and we don't have the Senate and we definitely don't have the president, um, but we have to start somewhere. And so Congressman Randy Weber has uh, filed this legislation to stop um, the practices like this abortion ship. And uh, we just have to keep plugging away. You know, whenever we were facing Roe v. Wade, whenever we first got that ruling 50 years ago, we didn't just sit on our hands and wait for the the magic bullet, the silver bullet to take down Roe v. Wade. We were just, you know, punching away, punching away and swinging until we could actually take down the law. And it took um, a long time. It took a lot of different policies to get the right question in front of the court and to chip away at the idea that abortion is a constitutional right. And it didn't just make a legal impact, it makes a cultural impact too. If you look at the decrease in abortions over the last 50 years, it's been phenomenal. The pro-life movement has made tremendous success, but there are still um, uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands of babies that are killed every year in the United States. So we're nowhere near done. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because I was thinking while you were talking about this, how funny it'll be in like a hundred years, and we have we live in a in a more sane society, and it's kind of like Chesterton's fence. If you see a fence in the middle of the forest, you don't know what it's there for. Don't take it down. Well, the um, there's going to be people looking at the laws, and they're going to be like, "Why on earth do we have a law in place that says you can't have abortions on the water? That's weird." <laughs> That's just, and we live in the strangest, strangest uh, storyline. So there, we mentioned talking about the water, talking about things coming over, the abortion pill. There was a update to the story. We mentioned this before. Uh, so what's the situation with the abortion pill? That's right. So there is a lawsuit challenging uh, whether the abortion pill was um, properly approved by the FDA or not. Now, we know generally the federal government is not... Um, the most upstanding uh, institution that has ever existed. Uh, and so we look back at the history of the abortion pill. Whenever we say the abortion pill, it's actually two pills. The first one uh, kills the preborn child. The second pill after the child is dead causes the woman basically to induce labor. This happens very early in pregnancy. And then um, she expels the deceased baby's body. So this lawsuit is challenging the first pill, the one that kills the baby, and says, looks at the history of the FDA and how it approved this pill, 
and they say this was very politically motivated. We have evidence of this. We have evidence that Bill Clinton in his first days in office was saying, hey, let's make abortions easier to have. So let's uh, make sure we have these uh, chemical abortions that can be illegal and uh, that can be legal and approved by the FDA. And so now the uh, a pro-life group and some doctors and uh, medical associations are challenging the FDA, suing the FDA, saying, you guys were playing politics. This is dangerous uh, for women, and it's deadly for preborn children. Basically, to approve the abortion pill, they had to label pregnancy as a disease. And all of us know that's not true because we got here one way or another from pregnancy. Um, so... This lawsuit has been gaining steam for about a year. It was filed November of last year and made a lot of headlines in the spring around April. Actually, on Good Friday was whenever we got um, a favorable ruling from a Texas judge saying that the FDA improperly approved the abortion pill and they need to start over. This made it all the way up to the Supreme Court, and they said, we're not going to change the status quo right now. Let's let the lawsuit continue and hear what both sides have to say. So then it kicked back to the appeals court, which is uh, Texas, uh, Texas, Louisiana, kind of our region of uh, this appeals court. And they gave us a partial victory this month. They said the abortion pill nationwide, um, it's too late to challenge the status quo entirely. It's too late to say we're going to take this drug off the market because it's been on the market for 23 years. Um, and so the statute of limitations has expired, says the appeals court. But some of the more recent rulings under the Obama administration and the Biden administration, the changes that they've made there, um, bringing the abortion pill, it used to be um, available and uh, FDA approved at 10 weeks. The Obama administration says, what if we, well, wait, it was seven weeks. And then the Obama administration said, what if we move it back to 10 weeks uh, and have more abortions there because they have those three extra weeks of time? The appeals court said, yeah, that was politically motivated. We're going to stop that. And then with the Biden administration in 2021 saying, you don't need an in-person visit to take the abortion pill. You don't have to go to a doctor. You can just have these pills mailed to you and it'll be fine. Just don't even worry about it if there's any complications. And the appeals court said that was politically motivated, too. That's pretty obvious. So we're going to um, remove those. And so that would Ultimately, this ruling would bring the appeals court, uh, this ruling would bring the window of, a, of availability for the abortion pill down. But these changes don't take effect um, probably until 2024, maybe, because it's very likely that the Supreme Court is going to take this up, wants to hear the full case, but will probably have to wait until their next term. So, so what does that look like in terms of what, we think the Supreme Court will actually rule on. Obviously, you don't have a crystal ball. You don't know exactly what they're going to say. But we kind of, you know, have good predictions of past precedent and what the actual case looks like and legally. Uh, so what do we kind of foresee? Right. So I'm more of an optimist. And I believe uh, we have a couple ways of looking at the Supreme Court and how they view these issues. So on the pessimistic side, we can tell the Supreme Court is a little bit af afraid of touching the abortion issue so soon, again, because of um, all of the just harassment they faced mm -hmm. from the Roe v. Wade leak and then actually overturning Roe v. Wade. And so they don't like to be seen as this partisan political um, body. And anytime they touch abortion, they are viewed as partisan and political when really it's just they're doing their job as they always do of is this in the Constitution? Yes or no. 
Um, but anyways, that doesn't matter. People look at the Supreme Court and say, you guys are being political with abortion, whatever. Um, so that's the pessimistic side is they don't change the status quo because they're afraid of seeing uh, being seen as political. The optimistic side is we look at the Supreme Court's um, their this Supreme Court specifically, their record on reining in this uh, bureaucratic, these state agencies that have gone rogue. So if you remember um, whenever Roe v. Wade was overturned, the same uh, term, we had a case from the EPA and the EPA doing all of these regulations of, um, you know, legislating aside from Congress. And you can see kind of the similar pattern with the FDA that they are trying to um, loosen their own regulations from a political perspective rather than, than giving that authority to Congress. And so you can see that maybe the Supreme Court will take that same line of thought that um, as, no matter what this issue is, you see this, um, this federal agency that is taking on a, a legislative function that's not its job. That's, that's not the FDA's job. Congress is the one who legislates. Um, the executive branch is in charge of enforcing laws. And so where I'm hopeful that the Supreme Court, even if they don't give us a full victory and completely take the abortion pill off the market, that they'll give us a partial victory by scaling back the Obama and Biden regulations. So be in prayer for that. We probably do have a long road ahead of us. But anytime that we're having this conversation, it's an opportunity for us to change the culture, to talk mm -hmm. about what is the unborn child? What is abortion? Amen. And for sure, this is a great I'm glad we're, we do this uh, roundup because a lot of people really think that after Roe v. Wade was overturned, that was it. The fight was over. Uh, but the fight just got down to just more and more battles. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's very important to keep in mind. Uh, we're about to uh, be finished with this hour. Uh, so I just want to mention, and maybe in the future we can come back around, this other story. Planned Parenthood was allegedly caught committing Medicaid fraud. A lawsuit was heard this month that could force them to pay back $1.8 billion. Billion with a B. That is great news. Hopefully that uh, cripples them a little bit. And hopefully that goes through. But thank you very much, Kim Schwartz with Texas Right to Life. God bless you. God love you. We'll be right back with Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today right after this. Ever feel like life is just too busy, too much? Constant noise, social ed, traffic, work, paint bills. It just doesn't seem to let up. Well, maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace and less chaos, then find your hope today. Begin at CatholicsComeHome.com. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of Israel. 
Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God. She carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is, and we are known as his children, we are, and the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters, they are. Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran whose soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right, their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us. be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, my name is Catherine and Valerie and Sarah, and we attend St. Maximilian Colby Catholic Community. And you're listening to KSHJ Houston, 1430 a.m., Radio for your soul. Catholic Radio. You know, there was a man who was very popular uh, not too long ago. And he had this saying and it, that really struck a lot of people. And I think this message is needed now more than ever before. A saying that is so many people in the world. I mean, you see... Uh, suicide rates going up. You see people's lives being just destroyed. The depression rate is just ridiculous. But there was a man who had a message. And his message was, life is worth living. And I think that is a message that we need now more than ever before. And joining us right now is Alan Smith to talk about that man. Uh, who is this mysterious man, Alan Smith? Um. I think his name is Fulton J. Sheen, uh, a young boy from the Midwest who grew up and uh, made something of his life. And of course, he became Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, who we know and love and uh, still watch on a television from time to time on EWTN, uh, still hear him on the radio uh, with many different Catholic broadcasts, uh, including my own. And, uh, of course, his many books that are out there that people are enjoying still today. So uh, I can. And his message was simple. Your life is worth living. God has a plan for each and every one of us. So embrace that and uh, do it in a joyful way. And uh, one thing about Archbishop Sheen, he was always smiling. There was always a smile or two uh, that came uh, out of his presentations. And I think we took that with us uh, during the day. So it's all good. So uh, I woke up this morning in Canada. It was 45 degrees, and I'm sure it's a balmy, warm 100 degrees in Houston. But uh, <laughs> still, uh, God is good. Life is worth living in Canada, even though it's a little bit cold. Well, I was going to say the exact opposite. I was saying life is worth living in Texas, even though it's uh, 
as almost as hot as hell. <laughs> it's it's pretty hot over here, but praise be to God, a a good opportunity to to offer up though that uh that little bit of suffering. I was <laughs> I was mentioning to who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody. I was like, yeah, right now it's so hot. I don't even want to walk from the office to my car right now. <laughs> it's just too much. It's just too much. Uh, but yeah. praise be to God. It's good that we talk about Fulton Sheen. It's good that we talk about. Uh, life worth living. And so uh, what is it that we need to be focusing on this week in regards to Fulton Sheen? Well, I I said to Rudy last time we were on together, um, again, he was asking me a question. He said, what would uh, Sheen advise us today? And uh, I said to him, it was, you know, keep with the program. Um, I think this is what Fulton Sheen would say to us you know, develop something, start to have a conversation with God. And maybe the tip today is talk to God. And and I think we have to be honest and say, there's days that go by where we don't really talk to God. Mm. Um, we might give this odd little um, like cry for help saying, oh, Lord, help me today. But do we have a conversation with him? Do we talk to him about what's important to us? what worries we have like do we have that conversation and sadly the answer is no for many of us we don't really talk to god and of course what prayer is is that is that conversation with god and so again maybe that is something we want to work on uh today and uh, every day this week uh having a conversation with god Yes, we get caught up in our route prayers. Uh, we'll say the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, um, sometimes on autopilot. But are we really spending a little bit more time saying, let's talk about the journey, the journey together. I know that my true home is in heaven, and I, I hope I get there. But are we talking about how to get to that journey? Uh, those people who go to the gym <laughs> and work out, they have a goal and they know they have to do certain things to achieve that goal. So what do we have to do to achieve that goal of heaven? That is uh, food for thought today. Alan, that is so true. It reminds me of uh, St. Teresa of Avila, who was uh, writing at her time about this interior life, this interior prayer. And this interior prayer, you know, I think for a lot of people is is challenging. They think, well, uh, you know, well, I, what do I say? What do I do? But in reality, it's just like you said, having a conversation with, with, with Christ, having a conversation with the Blessed Mother, having a, a conversation with the, with the Holy Trinity. These are the things that are going to help us to grow in relation with our Heavenly Father. Yeah. And I think what is difficult for some of us is to imagine heaven and what it would be like, but to understand that, okay, if we kind of believe, and I say kind of believe, because sometimes that's the level of our faith, we kind of think this is all real, but you would think that we're going to be in heaven with the Blessed Virgin Mary for all eternity. We're going to be in heaven with the saints for all eternity. So what's so difficult about having a conversation with them today? Uh, because again, we're part of this, I like to say global family, but it's more than that. It's, uh, it's for uh, many generations. Everyone is there. Um, so I think it's this idea of having that conversation with the Blessed Virgin Mary today, because we'll be conversing with her 
and praising God forever uh, in the near future, God willing. But still, it's that important um, exercise of saying you have to start somewhere. So start with that little thing of, hey, mother, um, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, do we ever ask the buzzer, how's she doing? Because I think it's this whole thing of when we think of reparation, make reparation, we go to the Lord and we converse with him and say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for my sin. And I'm so sorry that you've suffered. Uh, but it's that conversation. So we have to start off with something. And maybe it's just hello. <laughs> but uh, still, uh, we have to start somewhere. No, yeah, you are so right, uh, Alan. It's um, <laughs> it's something that, I mean, I struggle with that as well. I mean, I, I love doing my prayers. But many times, you know, just being able to to take a moment, and you know, it's funny because, I mean, I, I waste a lot of time. I'll be at home and I'll be sitting down and I'm like, yeah, I got this to do, this to do, this to do. And then I hop on my phone and scroll through social media for 10, 15 minutes. Guilty. Exactly. Right. Right. And then I'm like, but then I'm thinking, okay, I'm like, uh, I'll be doing the same, same situation as Revolt Rewind. And I'm like, oh, you know, I should say a prayer real quick. No, nah, I'm too busy to pray and I go and do work. Why do I, why am I willing to set aside time to do nothing? Um, but I won't set aside time to actually converse with God. Uh, what do you say, Alan Smith? I think we're afraid sometimes of, of getting too close to God because he might ask something of us. If we spend time with God and start conversing about our faults and failures, he might ask us to change our life. Uh, if we you know, spend time with God, he might ask us to go visit our neighbor, um, to do something, to read a holy book. Because we're so habitual in our everyday patterns of scrolling, uh, spending hours on the Internet. Uh, we've kind of gotten away from uh, those holy practices of reading our Bible and meditating for a few minutes, uh, spending time to carve out some moments of quiet, um, all of these things. We are creatures of habit, and I think we're realizing our habits are not good. They're not healthy for our soul. Uh, but again, we're afraid. The reason why we go into these patterns of behavior of spending hours uh, on mindless um, scrolling, and I think I'm as guilty as everyone, it's because I think we're afraid sometimes that God might ask something of us if we just spend a little bit of time in quiet to listen to his voice. So uh, a lot of times it's fear, which is that motivation to stay away. But um, our Lord said, have no fear, have no fear. Well, Alan, uh, while you were uh, talking there, I was writing that down. Sometimes we are afraid to get close to God because he might ask us to do something. That, whew, geez, Alan, man, I am... All right, just shut it down, guys. <laughs> oh man, that just like a that's like a a piercing into my heart, and that is exactly wow, Alan. You just you just spoke right to me right there because like <laughs> yeah yeah no you're you're one hundred percent correct. I I mean that's that's true of me. I'm sure that's true of other people, but it's true of me. I mean I sit there and I'm like, and I mentioned this before. Sometimes my prayer is a God. I desire to desire your will. Like, I don't actually want to do your will because I want to do my own will, but I would, I would like to want to do your will. <laughs> and it's, it's hard though. It's hard though because I was actually talking to a friend not too long ago who we were having this kind of discussion about like, yeah, if you get close to God, 
he's going to ask you to change your life. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. That's scary. <laughs> I, I like my life. I like doing what I want to do. So what would you say, Alan, to someone who is afraid? They're like, you know, you're 100% right, Alan. I, I do want to be close to God, but I'm scared that he's going to ask me to change my life. Well, know that um, there's a divine help. You know, you may be asked to change your life, but know that God will send help. Our Lady will send grace. Um, and we have to work with that grace. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember when I wanted to run five miles. I thought, I want to be a five miler. I want to do that. And I remember my dad saying, um, it's going to take you a while. It's going to be very painful. And you're going to have to start with just running 500 yards. And then that will go to 700 yards and then a thousand yards. And, and I'm saying yards for my American friends. I could see, be saying meters, <laughs> of course, for my, uh, What's that? the rest of the world. Yeah. But it's this thing of, you know, I knew that it was going to be something that we'd have to be slow and steady. Um, but again, there's this whole idea there was a little bit of help, a little bit of encouragement. And to know that it's a big goal to get to heaven, to become a saint. And I think that's why St. Augustine said so many times, Lord, I want to be a saint. Uh, not today. Can we, can we, uh, you know, cake, take a rain check? But again, he was wired in a way he says he knows what he should be doing. But again, he still moved forward a little bit each day. And that's what we have to do to know that uh, with a little bit of grace, a little bit of help, and asking the Lord for that little bit of help every day, the big goal will be achieved. Uh, it's just so uh, sometimes elusive and, and scary again. But little steps, little steps. We've seen that time and time again. If you have that philosophy of just taking little steps, uh, the big steps come in the, in the near future. And Alan, to take another page from uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen, you know, he talks about how we have to do violence to ourselves. You know, and sometimes it takes that that step to actually do a little bit of violence to ourselves. Put the phone down and and actually crack open some spiritual reading. Put the phone down and actually, uh, you know, spend a, at least a minute or two in prayer or Thanksgiving, you know, adoration or Thanksgiving or even petition, which is one of the lower forms of prayer. But any if anything at all, it takes a little bit of violence to ourselves. And I, I'm, it's, it's funny that you uh, you mentioned running. That's kind of what it's like sometimes for our spiritual life. We have to uh, go go running. When I uh, started running, I used to be a barefoot runner. This was like 10 years ago. And uh, I thought, how do I get started with this? And so I went to the Internet, right? And I thought, surely somebody has some advice about barefoot running. How do you get started? You know what the overwhelming advice was? It says, just go and start running. That was the advice. And so that's sort of what it's like for the spiritual life. If you're having a, you know, a dry moment in your, in your prayer life, what's the solution? Well, you just pray some more. Yeah. And you just have to um, put your head in the door of the church. Don't put it in the door, but you just walk <laughs> through the door of that church. It's... Um, I think I mentioned before on a previous previous broadcast how Fulton Sheen would challenge people just to go in and sit in a Catholic church. Like if the doors are open, walk in, uh, sit down in the pew and just sit there 
just sit there, be in the presence of our Lord. Um, and it's amazing what will happen to people. And so sometimes, again, it's that idea of, okay, do that baby step. Go to church. Um, just sit there. Um, you know, find a rosary. Um, try to remember how to pray the Hail Mary or look it up on the Internet to just pray one Hail Mary. The power of one Hail Mary. The power of one Our Father. And so I think it's these little things that sometimes are scary, but they're not that hard, not that difficult. And unfortunately, we have to stop there. Bishop Sheen today, Alan Smith, check it out. He'll be joining us in the after show. But right now, fear and trembling. Call now, 877-757-9424. Call now. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. I didn't take my faith seriously, which which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. No, I didn't want to give up sin. The reason we sin is because sin is fun. But it's, it's self-love sin. But it's amazing with God's grace how easy trying to not sin it really is. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where you could be a winner. It's really, really simple to be a winner. All you have to do is pick up the phone and dial that number, 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. All you have to do is pick up that phone and dial that number, and you could be the winner. And the good news is there is still one more opportunity this week to win the prize. So if you do not get on today, then you could, in fact, be on tomorrow. So we always take the first caller. And if you're on the second caller, third caller, fourth caller, uh, make sure you write that number down, that number again, 877 877- 757-9424. Put that in your speed dial, and here is a pro tip. If you dial in at the 7 o'clock hour, you can actually wait on hold with us, and we will have put you on 
and you'll be the first one to call in. There's a little pro tip if you would like. Uh, now, you may be asking, what am I listening to? I, what am I calling into? What can I win? Well, let me tell you all that. Well, here I have three Catholic trivia questions. And the trick is I'm not going to ask you the Catholic trivia questions. No, instead, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. He's going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Thanks be to God. This week we're giving away this book. If you're watching us on the live stream, I'm holding it up right here. If you're not watching on the live stream, this book is called The Synodal Process is a Pandora's Box. It's a question and answers, kind of a catechism type book here. It's written by the uh, American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, who we interviewed on Monday of this week. So if you want to look back in our YouTube account and check out that interview, you can do that there. Now, this is a uh, question and answer book meant to answer the most pertinent questions about the synodal uh, process, the synod of synodality, which is upcoming. And again, it was generously uh, sponsored, or game show was sponsored by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, otherwise known as the TFP. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you very much to the American Society for Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. We are very grateful for your generous uh, sponsorship of the show this week. We're very grateful. And yeah, definitely check out that book. I, I believe I went to the talk on uh, Monday when they were in Houston. They were in Dallas on Tuesday. And uh, I believe they're releasing one of the one of the versions they recorded online, I think, today. So check that out on their YouTube channel as well. Uh, but joining us right now, good morning to you. Uh, is, who's on the line with us? Um, my name is Maggie Meza. Is Megan Minza? No, Maggie Meza. Maggie. Ah, okay. Good morning to you, Maggie. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. Thank you. Maggie, now where are you off to this morning? I'm guessing that you're uh, off to do some uh, brain surgery this morning? Um, I'm going to school right now. Oh, school. Praise be to God. You're you're in a graduate program. You're you're getting your PhD, is that right? <laughs> what's the minor is it uh you know rocket science is it uh, bioengineering what's your favorite subject in school maggie um science science so maybe oh, maybe maybe rocket surgery oh, rocket surgery <laughs> there we go there we go well praise be to god maggie now uh, what city do you uh hail from what city are you calling in from um lytle texas lytle texas very good i don't think i've ever heard of Lytle, Texas. I'm going to have to look up Lytle, Texas. Now, what's your favorite thing to do on the weekends? What, what kind of fun thing is there to do in Lytle, Texas? Mm. She's like, no, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what's that? Uh, oh, okay. Sometimes my sister, once my sister took me to an ice cream shop. Oh. Well, you know, one of my favorite pastimes is to go and get ice cream, so... Um, just, uh, it doesn't, the, the ice cream doesn't love me as much as I love the ice cream though, just for the record. It's true. I've seen it. And when he says ice cream, he means like a tub of ice cream just for himself. Yeah. Like one of those bluebell, um, <laughs> the, the, the pints are for other people. The gallon is for me. So <laughs> just for the record, just for the record. Don't let anybody else uh, tell you otherwise. All right, Maggie, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how to play? Um, yeah. Perfect, perfect. So I'm looking at the questions here, and I gotta say, 
I think you're going to do well. These questions are at rocket scientist level, and so you, I'm sure you're going to do great. Are you ready to play, Maggie? All right, let's jump into it. Question number one for you, Rudy. Okay, I'm ready. I, I didn't ask if you're ready. I was just going to give you the question whether you're ready or not. Here I come. Okay. <laughs> let's do it. Here's the question. Rocket science. Rocket science. What is the name of the prayer which begins with, Remember, O Most Gracious Virgin Mary? Uh, I pray that one all the time. You know, I I need to remember a lot of things. Mm, so and uh, it's called the... Nostalgic prayer. The nostalgic prayer. Yeah. Wow. You know, some people say, don't give in to nostalgia. Don't. Mm. Well, I need to sometimes because I lose my memory all the time. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I understand. Now, this question is definitely rocket scientist level in terms of Catholic trivia. You know, I'm actually glad that I'm not in the public sphere because I have McConnell moments all the time. Uh, what's that? Huh? Huh? Uh, uh. <laughs> all right, Maggie. The question on the board is... What is the name of the prayer which begins with Remember, O Most Gracious Virgin Mary? Now, Rudy seems to think that's the nostalgic prayer. You know, you got to have a little bit of nostalgia in your life. Now, what say you, Maggie? Is he right? Is he wrong? Is he trying to trick you? What say you, Maggie? I think he's wrong. You think he's wrong. Let's see if you are correct. Survey says... That is correct, Maggie. He was wrong. The correct answer is the memorare, which means remember. So there you go. Memory. You cannot associate. Remember, memory, memorare. It's kind of all very, very much connected. So very good, Maggie. I'm sure you're a Latin scholar, right? Not quite. Can you say that again, please? <laughs> you're a Latin scholar. You, you're fluent in Latin. You knew that Latin, remember in Latin was memorare. Um, no, I have my mom here with me today. And my <laughs> puppy. She was like, I phoned a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Maggie. Very good. Well, are you ready for question number two? Yes. All right, let's do it. Question number two for you. Rudy, the question on the board is, what is the second greatest evil in the world? The second greatest evil in the world. Uh, it may not seem this way, mm -hmm. but it's actually venial sin. Oh, I thought for sure you were going to say pineapple on pizza. What? Yeah. No. Pineapple on pizza. That's virtuous. It's not the greatest what evil, you're talking about. but I would say it's the second greatest evil. Pineapple on pizza with ranch. Oh, I'm about. It's amazing. Like, you it's just a made... California thing you wouldn't understand, okay? I was going to eat breakfast after this, and now I don't want to. <laughs> there you go, folks. All right, Maggie. Um, the question on the board is, is uh, pineapple pizza an abomination to Almighty God? Uh, sorry, that's not the question. Uh, the question on the board is, what is the second greatest evil in the world? Rudy says that it's venial sin. Venial sin. Even one little bitty sin is offensive to God, and it's the second greatest evil Right after mortal sin. What say you, Maggie? I think he's correct. You say he's correct. Let's see if that is right. Survey says... That is correct, Maggie! Way to go! Two for two. I'm amazed. I'm blown away. Well, she's a rocket scientist. I've noticed that. I've noticed that. Well, Maggie, way to go. That is correct. Mortal sin destroys 
your life and your soul, but venial sin wounds it, and it's still offensive to God. Some people think, well, it's just a venial sin. I can do it. You're like, oh, yeah, it's just the second greatest evil you could possibly do in the world. No big deal. Uh, so way to go, Maggie. You are correct. Are you ready for question number three? Yes. All right. I have to warn you, Maggie. I'm looking at this question. This might be the hardest question we've ever had on the history of Catholic Drive Time up to this point. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Here we go, Rudy. Now, there was this group. It's called the Holy League. Very cool group. Sounds made up. Yeah, well, and nonetheless, nonetheless. And they fought against this other group. At a certain battle, the known Unholy as League? Uh, one might say, one might say, known as the Battle of Lepanto. At this battle, what religion were the two sides? Hmm. Let me think here. Well, the guy mm-hmm. who came and installed my internet one time oh. said that we are essentially the same religion, oh. so it can't be that. We were at odds. Okay. But if I remember correctly, history states that it was Catholicism and Islam that were represented in that battle. Interesting. But he told me that we're the same. We believe the same things. Working on your internet. Yeah, interesting. Told you that. I wonder why he's not Catholic if he we believe the same thing. Interesting. Anyway. All right. Well little little side story there. Catholicism and Islam. Represented in the Battle of Islam. Oh, no, by the Battle, Battle of Lepanto. There we go. 15 seconds on the clock, Maggie. The question is, despite our tangents, uh, what two religions were represented in the Battle of Lepanto? Rudy says it's Catholicism and Islam. What say you, Maggie? Um, I think he's correct. You think he's correct. Despite the tangents, you think he's still correct. We're going to check that. Let's see if that is correct. And that is correct, Maggie. Way to go. You are amazing. Fun fact. That's actually the name of my kayak. Is Lepanto. Lepanto. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. How do you feel, Maggie? Good. Good. Praise be to God. You should feel good. Make sure you stay on the line. We're going to get your parents' contact information so that way... If your name be drawn out on Friday, we can send you the prize. And you know what? We'll send you, if we if we draw your name, we'll send one to your parents as well. So praise be to God, Maggie. God bless you. God love you. And have a blessed day. Thank you. All right. Going to put you on hold. Don't go anywhere. That's going to do it for the radio side. If you can join us in the after show, we're going to have an awesome, very packed after show. We're going to Kim Schwartz is remaining on with us. Alan Smith is jumping on board with us, too. It's going to be an awesome time. But if not, we'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Live at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel, home of the Soul Community. Today is Thursday in the 21st week of Ordinary Time. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is offered for all of those who are joining us on Guadalupe Radio, online, and those here present. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command, and all the stars obey. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who caused the minds of the faithful to unite in a single purpose, grant your people to love what you command and to desire what you promise, that amid the uncertainties of this world, our hearts may be fixed on that place where true gladness is found. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. We have been reassured about you, brothers and sisters, in our every distress and affliction through your faith. For we now live if you stand firm in the Lord. What thanksgiving, then, can we render to God for you, for all the joy we feel on your account before our God? Night and day we pray beyond measure to see you in person and to remedy the deficiencies of your faith. Now may God himself, our Father and our Lord Jesus, direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we have for you so as to strengthen your hearts to be blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his holy ones. Amen. The Word of the Lord. 
Fill us with your love, O Lord, and we will sing for joy. Fill us with your love, O Lord, and we will sing for joy. You turn man back to dust, saying, Return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are as yesterday, now that it is past, or as a watch of the night. Fill us with your love, O Lord, and we will sing your joy. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain wisdom of heart. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Fill us with your love, O Lord, and we will sing for joy. Fill us at daybreak with your kindness, that we may shout for joy and gladness all our days. And may the gracious care of the Lord our God be ours. Prosper the work of our hands, prosper the work of our hands. Fill us with your love, O Lord, and we will sing for joy. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Stay awake, for you do not know when the Son of Man will come. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you. Jesus said to his disciples, Stay awake. For you do not know on which day your Lord will come. Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour of night when the thief was coming, he would not have stayed awake he would have stayed awake and not let his house be broken into. So too you also must be prepared, for at an hour you do not expect the Son of Man will come. Who then is the faithful and prudent steward? whom the master has put in charge of his household to distribute to them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master on his arrival finds doing so. Amen, I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his property. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is long delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards, the servant's master will come on an unexpected day and at an unknown hour, and will punish him severely, and, and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, after, of course, having these seven woes to the fair scribes and Pharisees, reminds us to stay awake. And maybe the connection is at the very end says, if we become like the wicked servants, then he will sign us a place with the hypocrites, the very ones he was giving the seven woes to. That might be us, which we, won't, we don't want to be. But I think at the, at the very start, of course, Jesus says to stay awake. How awake are we today? <laughs> How awake are we in every, any morning? But to stay awake, does that mean that we need to have insomnia? Well, not literally, but perhaps spiritually, always to have our hearts set on the Lord. I remember a long time reading about St. Camillus de Lillas, and uh, he, he 
was a, a saint in, in Spain who is particularly would go and serve the sick and the poor. And he, every time he went to bed, he would always fold his hands in prayer, and that's how he would sleep. As a reminder that even when he was sleeping, he was praying. I tried that. It didn't work for very long. But anyway, the idea, of course, is to stay awake spiritually. Eyes of our hearts are always awake, ready for the Lord, should he call us at any time. Sometimes the Lord calls us in the middle of the night, and he wants us to get up just to be vigilant with him. First of all, I think one of the things that comes out from the gospel is that the Lord gives tremendous gifts. And the gifts that, the, that God always gives to us, the gift of our life, first of all, but he entrusts us with things, just as he entrusts these servants with his property, with his, with his things, with what is important to him. He entrusts us with that. And that gives us great assurance and confidence in God because he trusts us but it also makes us humble. Because when you have somebody so great who, who gives us, who has the humility to bestow something of his goodness on us, it makes us very humble. See, what happens with the wicked servant is he, he forgets that. He forgets that to, to be humble. God, what he gives, he gives generously, and he, and he wants us to be good stewards of all that he gives us. When he says that, who is the faithful and prudent steward whom the master has put in charge of his household, he'll put him in charge of all of his property if he is good and, and faithful. What happens with a wicked servant is that his horizons become very low. He gets tired of waiting. He begins to shut his, the eyes of his heart, and he's not ready for the Lord to come. And he'll come. It's just like, you know, when we're, when, sometimes when we're drunk or whatever, time and, uh, and our surroundings kind of get blurred and we lose track of things, even what we say. <laughs> and the, the, the idea is that if we're not awake, then we'll miss when the Lord's going to come and he'll come sooner than we expect. So the idea is to keep our, our eyes and our hearts vigilant for the Lord. I think another thing that always helps us in, when we hear the gospel tomorrow about the five foolish and the five wise virgins, it reminds us that there's two gifts that the Lord gives to us that help us in being humble. That is love and fear. Love of God and fear of him. First of all, that fear starts off as fear of punishment, but that's what that wicked servant needed to learn. He needed to have a little bit more fear. Fear the Lord that when he becomes, he's going to be severely punished. That might start off that way, but hopefully that fear and love come together and as St. John says, love casts out all fear. But those two gifts of our Father produce in our souls really a perfect harmony with God's divine will. It draws us in a way, away from evil and unites us with God. See, if the wicked servant had been paying attention, that fear would have led him to a greater and deeper love. He would have stayed awake. Love really is what helps us to stay awake. Look at St. Paul in that first reading. He works day and night, and his whole care is for the people that God has put in charge, for him, or put his, the, the, what God has put in, in his, into his hands in his charge. Day and night. And his greatest worry is that they would become holy, that they would strive for holiness. It wasn't whether he had a place to sleep or whether he had food to eat. For St. Paul, and this is what makes him such a tremendous saint, is that he was so vigilant for, for the, what God had entrusted to him that he wanted the people that God entrusted to him to become holy. See, love and fear for him 
were joined together so beautifully. The love of God and the fear that, well, not that he would fail, but that he would perhaps be somewhat unfaithful or not be as vigilant as he could be. Let us ask the Lord to help us with those, to recognize those gifts that he gives to us, what he entrusts to us, his grace, his goodness, and that love and fear, those two beautiful gifts, would help us to stay awake and be vigilant for the Lord when he comes. Amen. We have gathered here, dear brothers and sisters, to celebrate the mysteries of our redemption. Let us therefore ask Almighty God that the whole world may be watered from these springs of all blessing and life. For all who have bowed themselves to God, that with his help they may faithfully keep to their resolve, let us pray to the Lord. For peace among nations, that delivered from all turmoil, the peoples may serve God in freedom of heart, let us pray to the Lord. For the elderly who suffer from isolation or sickness, that they may be strengthened by our love of them as our brothers and sisters, let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves gathered here, for those who are joining us on Guadalupe Radio and online, that as God does not cease to sustain us with the things of this life, we may know how to use them in such a way that we may hold even now to the things that endure forever. Let us pray to the Lord. May your mercy, we beseech you, O Lord, be with your people who cry to you, so that what they seek at your prompting, they may obtain by your ready generosity through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. O Lord, who gained for yourself a people by adoption through the one sacrifice offered once for all, bestow graciously on us, we pray, the gifts of unity and peace in your church through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation. 
always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For although you have no need of our praise, yet our thanksgiving is itself your gift. Since our praises add nothing to your greatness, but profit us for salvation through Christ our Lord. And so in company with the angel choirs of angels, we praise you, and with joy we proclaim, Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Pleni Sunceli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you 
so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer to the sign of peace. On you Quitolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, quitolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, quitolis peccata mundi, Dona nobis Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. For those unable to receive communion or those joining us online, 
Let us pray together this the act of spiritual communion. By Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, All praise and all thanksgiving Be every moment thine. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. Let us pray. Complete within us, O Lord, we pray, the healing work of your mercy. Graciously perfect and sustain us, so that in all things we may please you, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae. Vita dulce do, et spes nostra salve. A te clamamus, exules filii heve. A te suspiramus, gementes et flentes, in hoc lacrimarum ave. Eha ergo, 
Advocata nostra, ilos tuos, misericordes oculos, ad nos converte. Et Jesum, benedictum frutum ventris tui, nobis post hoc exilium, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Amy Shield. 